I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast, supported by Water Wipes, who are proven to be purer than cotton wool and water and now biodegradable. From fertility to birth, pandemic parenting to taking care of ourselves, here we talk to women about their own unique experiences of motherhood. The insane joy and anxious defeat, the love, the laughs, the tears, and the moments that we don't talk enough about. This season is supported by one of the most essential products for every mum, from that first nappy change to those messy weaning months, water wipes, the world's purest baby wipes. Made here in Ireland, water wipes are now 100% biodegradable and compostable wipes. With the same purity and quality as before, they are ideal for sensitive newborn and even premature skin. As the number one wipe in Ireland, together we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products, and this podcast. Heartburn, headaches and hemorrhoids. Pregnancy is not easy, but for some women, pregnancy can bring daily sickness and serious health complications. In this episode, I'm joined by journalist, beauty editor, creator of Private Education Podcast and brand new mum, Ashlyn Keenan, because she had a really, really tough time. Her experience took her so far away from loving the process, loving her bump, It denied her the joy of joining in with the excitement, the moments of glow, but it also got dangerous and scary and ended in one last pregnancy surprise for good measure. And here, she explains how it wasn't just the nausea, vomiting or high blood pressure, it was the grief for the pregnancy she'd hoped for, the guilt for not feeling the things pregnant women are supposed to feel, the vulnerability for the first time being so ill, the absolute isolation of growing a baby while so sick within her four walls, And then the relief when it was over. One, because it was over. Two, because as quickly as the illness left, the love arrived. So it's okay to hate the symptoms of pregnancy and it's okay to hate the symptoms of birth and post-pregnancy too. Our bodies go through so much. So if you're not okay, take all the help you can. Speak to your GP or hospital team and be cared for. Don't suffer and don't be hard on yourself. Ashling, welcome to everyone the podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I'm I'm really looking forward to this conversation because although I know there's going to be some tough moments in it, I think it's really important that there isn't this projected idea that pregnancy is a breeze and that even when you do seriously want it, it isn't always what you imagine. Totally. And thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be on. Um, and yeah, pregnancy for me, I, I, I remember someone asking me, how did you envisage your pregnancy being? And I actually never pictured pregnancy. I never visualized it. I never had in my head, this is how I'm going to feel. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to wear. Um, but even so, I was still disappointed. <laughs> so even though I had never built pregnancy, I, I really hadn't built pregnancy up in my head to be, you know, this wonderful time where you float around in loose dresses and you cradle your bump and you look longingly into the sunset. Like I never had that vision in my head. Um, but I likewise never anticipated that it would be the physical and emotional upheaval that it was I really did not anticipate it being that hard and you know I'm I don't I don't like I don't want to scare anyone who's considering being pregnant or is currently pregnant but the the nine months that I was pregnant or coming up on 10 months I suppose that I was pregnant were the most difficult months of my entire life definitely and for that's from a, an emotional perspective from a physical perspective and I just just about got through it and I think as a result I've, I'm finding the postpartum weeks not easy because it's not easy it's so tough but I think I'm having a little bit of a less catastrophic time <laughs> purely based on the fact that my pregnancy was 
very, very difficult, a very, very challenging time. Take us through that catastrophe <laughs> of <laughs> catastrophic events. I feel bad, like I feel bad. But from, from week seven, I was on anti-sickness medication. I was on Caravan four times a day from week seven. So the sickness started immediately and I continued on Caravan until the night before I gave birth um, at 38 and a half weeks. Um, so that was a massive challenge. I was, I was throwing up five, six, seven times a day on a good day and I would wake up and I wouldn't be able to step out of the bed without a massive wave of nausea and, and vomiting. Like it would be either I get out of bed and go straight to the bathroom to vomit or I get, I sit up and my husband brings me my breakfast in bed. And when I say my husband brought me breakfast in bed, not out of romance, but out of necessity for nine solid months. I'm not joking. He, every single day, didn't miss a day. Even if he was early to work, even if he was going to the gym, he would leave my breakfast beside me to make sure that when I woke up, I didn't immediately start the day by being violently ill and it didn't you know the way morning sickness they need to change that name it wasn't in the morning it was from from the moment I woke up till the moment I went to bed and there must have been like I, I couldn't really get my head around I was speaking to my consultant about like why on some days even if you're taking the same medication at the same times why some days you just cannot hold in the the nausea or the vomiting and it's literally just to do with hormones you know I, I kept thinking is it something I'm eating is it something I'm doing is it because I'm not getting enough sleep but it's just surges of hormones and you can't mitigate for that you can't know when that's going to happen or when it's not going to happen so that was the first thing um I mean I had all of the kind of I don't want to say minor symptoms because for some people they aren't minor but like I had really bad heartburn and I was taking low sec and I was drinking bottles of Gaviscon I should have shares in the company at this point um, and I was having you know going to the bathroom from 20 weeks on from December onwards I was going to the bathroom eight nine times in the night and I you know didn't wasn't sleeping and I was uncomfortable and it was warm and you know all those kind of normal I suppose mm. or or expected symptoms of pregnancy uh, then at 28 weeks I had my glucose tolerance test and I discovered I had gestational diabetes um, which isn't in my family um, that I know of but I had that anyway and so for anyone who hasn't had it or doesn't know you have to prick your finger four times a day and take your blood and test your glucose and um, it has to be all very specifically timed so you, ha you have to have meals at certain times and wait for an hour before eating again and all this kind of stuff which you know you kind of it becomes second nature but it also is a bit mad because when you're pregnant sometimes you're just inexplicably starving at like a random time and you need to eat or you're you know feeling a bit dizzy or you're feeling a bit nauseous and the only thing that curbs the nausea is to eat something and that was definitely the case for me the only thing that stopped me being horrifically nauseous was eating a snack hmm. and with gestational diabetes you are you can snack but you're restricted in when you can so you, you can't just you know head into the kitchen and grab something it's it's kind of puts restrictions on your eating habits so that was a another challenge then so that in combination with the sickness was just I mean a huge thing and then um from kind of 33 34 weeks on I was preparing myself for delivery and I was doing hypnobirthing on the gentle birth app and I took a hypnobirthing class and um, I'd gone to all my antenatal classes at that point and I was really preparing myself mentally for a vaginal delivery like I was you know and even I had the birthing ball and I was sitting on that all the time and I was you know I didn't attempt the perennial mass massage because first of all I couldn't reach and I don't know how <laughs> like I remember you know watching a demo and and hearing about it and thinking well that makes complete sense you know to get that going and just in case and it might reduce your need for an episiotomy or for uh, stitches or whatever and then I tried to do it and the logistics of it were <laughs> mind-boggling like I just couldn't get down there and I I drew the line at asking my husband to do that <laughs> I was just like I mean I, I'll ask him to shave my ankles so I can wear crop trousers but I will not ask him to <laughs> To do perennial massage so I had to park that 
But then I was preparing myself in other ways for uh, a vaginal delivery. And I anticipated because the gestational diabetes, you're more likely to have to have a cesarean section because Mm. your baby can be quite large when you have GD. So all the way along, I was thinking I'm going to have this massive baby and I might have to have a cesarean section. But as I progressed through the weeks, my consultant had told me that my baby was measuring slightly below average in terms of size. And she was really happy with that. And the gestational diabetes was diet controlled. So my baby was actually going to be average size. Mm. And so then I started thinking, okay, vaginal delivery, this is going to be what's going to happen. And um, then I skipped into the hospital for my 38 week scan. And I brought my, my mobile phone, it was a really sunny day. I brought my phone in with me and every other scan that I had gone into with my consultant had just been hop up there, quick scan, baby looks perfect. Thank God. Um, you can go home. Like I was, there was never, uh, there was issues with me in terms of the gestational diabetes or whatever, but there was never issues with baby. Um, and so I went in for the 38 week and I was thinking, okay, I'll get a Bunsen on the way home. My husband was outside waiting for me in the car had my mobile phone with me didn't even bring so much as a lip balm in like nothing had nothing with me didn't even have a handbag and my consultant said um there was protein in my urine so she was like we're gonna have to admit you uh, no she said she actually said i'm gonna we're gonna have to admit you and i said admit me to (laughs) like to what and she was like the hospital i was like oh okay and then she said i said so can i just nip home and you know grab a few bits and Mm get my baby bag and you know and she was like no 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 you've suspected preeclampsia so you have to stay in as of now you can't go home and I was like right okay so I was really I was really shocked and I I had I mean you know now my baby's six weeks old so I'm looking back at it and I'm able to talk about it without bawling my eyes out but at the time because I had had such a challenging pregnancy all the way along and I had just got my head around vaginal delivery and I just got my head around how it might happen and I thought you know you've two or two or three weeks left potentially for her to be like we have to admit you now and there's this potentially very very serious illness that you've got I was just floored by it and I left her office went outside phoned my husband and I was like, I was trying to be calm. You know the way I, I was trying not to make him absolutely lose his marbles on the walk in. So I was like, um, could you just, could you just pop in into me? And he was like, oh, but the security won't let me in because I don't have an appointment and I, you know, you're not in labor or whatever. And I was like, yeah, no, just, just tell them you have to come into me. And I was so panicked that the, the security in the rotunda wouldn't let him through. Mm. Um, anyway, he managed to I don't even know what I didn't even ask what he what lie he told him to get in but he came in through the doors anyway and came out to me I was outside in the outdoor like the garden bit in the rotunda and I was just shaking and sobbing crying and because it just it was another thing that just took the you know there was never there was never any joy in the pregnancy for me but it was another thing to just you know really seal the deal on what had been a really really difficult time so I was admitted then and with suspected preeclampsia and then they did all the tests that they have to do or, you know, I was on a ward with like other labouring women um, and they did all the tests and they confirmed then that I had it. So they, I, they did the tests on the Wednesday until the Thursday I stayed overnight. They told me, my consultant told me that it was confirmed on kind of Thursday afternoon and she said for your safety and for the baby's safety we're going to deliver you straight away so I'm going to schedule in with the theatre for cesarean section for tomorrow morning and she talked to me about the options and she talked to me about you know you can stay pregnant if you want but medically speaking it's safer for you and and it would be peace of mind for me type thing if you delivered tomorrow and I was like I, I had no uh, birth preferences I had no birthing plan or anything like that I was totally open to whatever had to happen and um, in spite of preparing myself mentally for a vaginal, vaginal delivery I hadn't got my heart set on anything in particular mm. so when she talked me through you know th- this is my medical opinion in, in my medical opinion you should be delivered as soon as possible I kind of just went yeah that's fine 
And so I had the baby then, like literally less than 48 hours after I discovered I had preeclampsia. So I had her on the Friday morning. So really from the start of the pregnancy until that day, it was just one thing after another after another. Um, and it didn't, I mean, I had no preference, like I said, as to how it ended, but it didn't end how I expected it to end. And it didn't go how I expected it to go. And my water didn't break and I didn't labor naturally. And I didn't, you know, all the things that you're in your head, you're thinking this might happen. So, um, yeah, that's the, that's the sorry tale of the last few months of my life. <laughs> How you summed it up there is something that I would find really challenging. So as, as you said, you have all those physical challenges and you have, you know, feeling really ill, like all of the time. And then having a, a moment of like a fear placed on you at the very end. Yeah. But throughout all of it, it's, it's not what you were expecting. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I don't know what I was expecting. Do you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what I had in my head. I, I don't even think I had anything in my head of what I was expecting, but it just, I just couldn't believe it. It was almost like, you know, crap pregnancy bingo. And I was ticking all the boxes as I went through. And I just couldn't believe that this was another thing. Like I remember messaging one of my friends, Laura, and saying, guess what? I have preeclampsia. And she was like, are you joking me? Like, how has, how have you got another thing you know and I just I couldn't get my head around it either because like I said for my whole life I have been very lucky to be illness free and I hadn't hadn't been admitted to hospital before and I hadn't um I hadn't ever had any kind of medical complications and then this was just medical complication after one after the other um and I didn't know why it was happening and I felt like I was really unlucky and I you know was looking at other people who were pregnant thinking aren't they so lucky that they're enjoying this and aren't they so lucky that they're happily dressing their bump and you know happily going for walks and enjoying their time and literally I I trained all the way up to 38 weeks but like there were days when all I could do and I mean all I could do was get out of bed go and train and then get back into bed and just stay there like it was yeah it was really really physically and, and mentally taxing the whole thing how did you feel before seven weeks um and I don't mean physically but that the idea that you were now pregnant this was happening yeah I was a bit I was a bit shocked I suppose um as as anyone is I would imagine when they're pregnant I think it was so funny because I did I did a pregnancy test and then I, I really wasn't anticipating being pregnant because I had done pregnancy tests for several months before that point and had always been, it had always been negative. So I was just doing it to do it kind of doing it because it was my habit. And because I was thinking, okay, I'll put away the pregnancy test and take out the ovulation sticks again. Um, and that was kind of what I had been doing every month, you know, swapping the pregnancy test out for ovulation kits to make sure that I was, you know, doing everything right. And which plays I, on which plays on your mind if you're doing that like every month consecutively so even going into it was there a feeling like my body isn't doing what it was supposed to do I'm not conceiving the way I expected to conceive yeah yeah totally and I think like I had been on the pill for like 16 years and I think for so long you're like don't get pregnant don't get pregnant don't get pregnant that you think that the first time that you have sex without contraception, you inevitably will be pregnant. You're so conscious that that's, you know, should be what happens that when it doesn't, you're like, Oh, this is going to be tougher than we thought. Okay. And that dawns on you. So that had dawned on me a few months before. And by that, by the point, by the actual time that we conceived, like I had almost just, gotten over the process of doing the ovulation sticks and gotten over the process of checking my dates and I had just kind of been like oh this is just what I do now and I had kind of put taken a back seat to it almost and so I wasn't expecting to be pregnant so I, I had put did the pregnancy test put it on the side of my uh, like on the rad next to my toilet and I went off and then you know for the three minutes because mm -hmm. that's what you do 
but then I took a notion and I hoovered my whole house and then I did some work and I answered some emails and then I went back into the bathroom a few hours later to use the loo and I was like oh yeah I better check that and I turned it over and it was positive but then I was like no no it's only positive because I went off and hoovered and it it developed two lines because it has been sitting there for hours so I was like I'll just do another one anyway so the, the next one was like inconclusive is all I can say so it was kind of like is there a line there is there not a line there like what's going on here and at that point I had to leave the house to go to a meeting so I left the house and went to the meeting and then I had to I had traveled to several several pharmacies in the vicinity <laughs> of my meeting to find the test you know the ones that actually say you're pregnant yes the words you want the words you don't want inclusive yeah, you don't want lines online I didn't want that little line. I wanted some, I wanted the little computer thingy in there to say, you are pregnant. And I wanted to have that confirmed. So I found, a, um, I found the test eventually and it said, you are pregnant. And I was like, okay. And it said two to three weeks. And you know, that's, that was grand. And from that moment on, I wasn't, I wasn't upset. I wasn't happy. I was just worried. This podcast is just one way that every mum can support you. Another amazing way is with our free gift bag, packed full of essentials for you and baby, including free samples of water wipes, the number one wipe against nappy rash. To receive yours, just register now on everymum.ie. There's a free gift bag there waiting for every mum. I think the parental worry set in as soon as I was pregnant. So I was straight away like, I hope, I hope everything's okay in there. I hope, you know, I've been doing the right things. You know, I was just straight away, just anxious about it. And um, I was excited actually to tell my husband because I knew he'd be just over the moon. Um, and I was, I was excited. I was, you know, I, I was in disbelief more so than excitement. It was just like, oh my God, I cannot believe this. I can't believe this is happening. Oh my God, you know. Um, and then for a couple of weeks, at the very start of the pregnancy, before I had a single symptom, um, I was quietly buzzing. But you see, at that point, I hadn't told my parents. The only person who knew was my husband um, and actually one friend that I phoned in a panic during the test taking process. So like nobody knew. And it was, it was therefore kind of, I kind of, uh, pushed the excitement down a little because I was like I can't tell anyone anyway um I'm not feeling pregnant I'm not looking pregnant I didn't have any immediate you know bond with the fact that I was pregnant um or I did I couldn't really you know I couldn't really relate the two things I couldn't really relate the fact there was a baby in there growing and I conceived it and you know I was there was such a disconnect so um then not too long later the sickness started so it's you know it turned pretty immediately bad like once I was seven weeks it was sickness from then on so I never I never achieved the joyful I'm so excited and everyone around me is excited and isn't this a wonderful time thing and likewise the pandemic had an effect on that too because telling people was a challenge because you didn't, I couldn't see anyone really. Um, you know, meeting up with friends, it was awkward because it was winter and we had to be outdoors and, you know, it was just, it just was that, that played a part as well. Um, so yeah, I, I think from the get go, it was, it was, um, just not what I expected at all. I think a lot of women have feel, have felt robbed of Mm. those experiences that make you feel like I'm a pregnant woman. Yes. That make you feel like, okay, I'm now entering this new phase and this new persona and this new, oh, I'm, I'm sitting in a room full of other pregnant women and we're all bouncing on a ball doing yoga together. I must yeah. be in this now. Yeah, I suppose. Those experiences would have made it a bit more real for me had mm. I been able to do that. Like the first time I actually felt like a pregnant woman was I I didn't get a bump either till I was at least 26 weeks 27 weeks so pretty far on into the pregnancy to be fair 
and then it became a visible bump but I remember going to pay for my petrol one day in a, in a garage that I always go to and the man who served me he's this lovely lovely man and he he had he had just had a baby um, I didn't know this but he he saw my bump and uh, he was obviously thinking I don't think he thought it was inappropriate to say it to me and he was like aha you can you're getting a baby he's I think he might be from um India so English isn't his first language so he was like you're getting a baby and I was like yeah I'm getting a baby and he was like I have a baby and I was like fantastic and he was like she's 94 days old and I remember just thinking oh my god oh. So sweet that he knows how many days old his daughter is. And he was just like, I love her so much. And I was like, that's so brilliant. I'm so delighted for you. And that was the first moment I felt pregnant. Sorry, that was so stupid. I'm crying listening to that. 94 days old. Yeah. And that was the first time a stranger had yeah. acknowledged that I was pregnant and it felt real for the first time even though like it sounds mad because at that point obviously my whole family knew and my friends knew and they had acknowledged it and every feckin' day I was acknowledging it myself in the toilet <laughs> but that was the first time you know someone out in the world said you're having a baby and they were excited and you know and he was a parent himself and he was so, you could see the pride in his eyes for his 94-day-old baby girl. Like, it was just so lovely. Um, so, yeah, sorry about that. I'm not much of a crier, but of course, here we are. <laughs> it's what I do. <laughs> but I really feel like there's a lot of women that feel that. That, mm. that they, they, they changed at a cellular level inside their walls this year. And for you, you probably just felt you were sick inside your walls this year. And now there's a baby. Like, it, it, it's, it's such a bizarre phase that there's a reason why all of those milestone moments are put in and why you're, you're, you're persuaded to go into rooms with other women going through it because it's not supposed to be done in isolation especially when you're dealing with the symptoms that you were experiencing because it's very easy to be brought into the I just feel sick all the time yeah. and nothing is telling me that there's going to be a baby at the end of this yeah and and I think people wishing me well saying that it would be all worth it um that was tough because when I was in it, I was thinking, how could this be worth it? This is awful. This is the worst thing I've, this is the worst I've ever felt. And it's so tough. And thankfully, I know having had my baby, it was actually worth it. And I also shockingly would be willing to do it again to, to, give my daughter a sibling but at the time when people people were like oh it'll all be worth it in the end I was thinking I don't think you would be saying that to me if you knew what my day-to-day -day was like and how isolated I felt and how just ju I just felt you know terrible um, and I was trying so hard not to feel sorry for myself either because I hate to you know I hate to be like and I, I felt like the biggest moan on the planet as well. I felt like all I was doing was complaining. I was convinced my husband was going to leave me because why the hell would anyone put, put up with this amount of just complaining? And I was just, I was never in good form. And I was, you know, not my normal, positive, happy, content self. And it was, that was a real, real challenge. And then like that, there were, there were no classes. There were no support groups. There was no popping down to your friends for a coffee. There was no getting a hug off a friend. There was, you know, and I also, I don't, I'm sure other pregnant people who've, who've gone through a pandemic pregnancy will feel this if they had a partner dur with them during, uh, during pregnancy, like a romantic partner, I suppose, as opposed to a birth partner. I felt like I was putting, I, I felt like I was 
draining my partner of every emotional resource that he had. I felt like I was a burden on him. I felt like every day he was cooking my meals. He was making sure I took my glucose test. He was making sure I took my medication. He was asking me, was I okay? He was going and doing a full day of work, you know, answering my phone calls when I needed him to go to the chemist and get me hemorrhoid cream or whatever, you know, and the whole time, the whole pregnancy, I just felt like I was a burden on him and I was draining him. And he was the only person I could rely on for emotional support. Now I had, obviously I had amazing friends and an amazing family that I could have called on, but when you can't physically see someone and when you do, you know, you, when, when eventually you do see your family, you get a stolen few hours in a garden or in a park somewhere when it's legal, you don't, you don't want to sit there and be like, well, let me tell you about know this and this and and you don't want to be a drain on them because they're the only bit of positivity that you get the only bit of light that you get the only levity that's in your life is those moments so I was just unloading at the end of the day onto my husband and I felt such intense guilt for that because you know and, and he kept saying to me you are literally going through the hardest thing ever you are growing our child this is the least I can do like he was incredible from the minute he knew I was pregnant he has been just incredible but I that didn't stop me feeling incredible overwhelming amounts of guilt and it didn't stop me I couldn't stop unloading every single emotional like piece of emotional turmoil that I was going through off onto him and it just was yeah I I just felt like a like a complete burden Um, and I think that would have been different outside of a pandemic because you do have other resources, you do have other outlets for your, you know, tears and for your complaining and you can hop between different friends and go for coffee with different people and say, well, look, this week has been crap because of X, Y, and Z. And I didn't really have that. And I know that's the same for lots of people who were pregnant during the pandemic. How did you adjust to needing people? (laughs) Not well. Yeah, no. Because you said like, as you know, you've had a really healthy adult life and like knowing you from afar as I do, I'm, I'm sensing like, you know, independent, you've, you know, you do your own work, you know, it's, you run your own ship. It's like, I'm, I'm a strong, capable, confident, independent human being. I'm resourceful. I, I've got this. Thanks. Yeah. And then this experience of, oh, hang on a second. Why is my body not conceiving? Well, hang on a second. Why is my body getting sick seven times a day? Hang on a second. How come I now have gestational diabetes when I've been typically healthy and my, I I eat well, I train well, I take care of my body well. And then hang on a second. Where's this vaginal delivery that I was preparing for? What, what the hell do you mean that I've got this now? Like that's a lot of, I'm in a vulnerable space and I need help for one person. I didn't. I didn't adjust to that well at all. Um, and I think that might've contributed to that feeling of guilt um, because for it, it particularly, I have, I mean, I have guilt about a lot of different things throughout the pregnancy and, and throughout the, like, you know, now that I have her, but like, I kind of feel like, I do, yeah, like you said, all of those things that you said about me, or you know are are me like I feel like I'm independent I look after myself I was always out and about living my own life I never really you know I obviously rely on my my husband for a lot of things and and, you know emotional support and look we got the mortgage together and we got married and we are a partnership definitely but I always always felt first of all in our partnership we were always very 50-50 with everything from you know it would literally just everything from you know housework and chores and looking after the house and looking after you know even money and things like that we were always very 50 50 and but we were also I certainly felt um and this is no disrespect obviously to my husband but like I always felt like I would be fine by myself as well you know like I would be my life would be fine without my husband now that's again it sounds wrong like I you would be okay but I would be okay yeah 
and my life was full and structured and I, you know like I have a, an incredible support network of friends and family that like I felt very independent even within my marriage and I loved that you know I loved not feeling reliant on someone now again I leaned on I lean on him all the time for things and he leans on me up for things but in general we would have been a bit quite independent and certainly in terms of like my health and things like that I would never have have had any reason to rely on him I can you know there, there has been no reason for that and throughout the pregnancy it was just a whole process of of letting that go because from the very start like that he had to bring me my breakfast in bed and every single morning I would be a combination of deeply deeply grateful and in love with him and the fact that he was doing that for me and also racked with guilt that he had to and again like I said at no point did he make me feel guilty he never said a word he never objected in fact he did it with a smile every morning and he never made me feel like I was a burden he never once indicated to me that my independence was you know at risk whatever but it was happening all inside my own head and it was overwhelming and I didn't handle it well and it was a it was a total like it took nine months for me to eventually get to a point where I was sort of comfortable and I mean I'm not I'm still not comfortable with it but I'm sort of more comfortable now with allowing him to help me um, and I believe me have to allow him to help me with the child <laughs> but um, when it comes to me I'm still only only just about comfortable with him helping me so I yeah I didn't adjust well to answer your question. <laughs> no just because it, it reminds me of a point in my first pregnancy I started to have really frightening dreams about like well, him being alive really actually. Mm. Um, and it was quite frequent. I was like, what? I, I wouldn't necessarily have typically recurring dreams unless it's the leaving search, but who doesn't? Yeah. And I, it was, just, it was, it constantly kind of was happening. I was like, why am I dreaming that you're not here? Mm. And it was the types of dreams that, like stay with you the next day, you know, when you, you, you carry the emotion of what you dreamt, even though you know it wasn't real. You're yeah. like, why am I still feeling like you might be gone? Yeah. And I copped at one point, I was like, this is the first time forever. It's the first time since we've met, since we got married, since every, all of it. I was choosing you, but now mm. I need you. Yeah. And that's scary. Yeah. Because I cannot do this without you. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't oh like goodness, that. <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. Like, I, I yeah, I, I hate needing someone for anything. I needed someone. And I hated that because up until that point, anything I'd ever wanted to do in my life, bar getting a mortgage, but that's purely financial, I was pretty much able to achieve solo and I realized I needed someone whether it was him or whether it was somebody else I needed someone and that was really uncomfortable for me and thankfully he never made he didn't make me feel uncomfortable that was you know he played a blinder but it still didn't take away the discomfort I felt in needing someone else. I have untold respect for women who don't have someone in who are doing it by themselves. I just don't know how. No, I don't either. And I, I mean, having gone through pregnancy and, and had such support, I want to throw a parade for mm. any woman who has gone through pregnancy or delivery or having a child alone or without a kind of constant support of a like live-in partner or live-in help or whatever I just can't even I can't even wrap my head around it they are incredible individuals and should be celebrated every day of the year because like I could not I could not have done that by myself and I just can't get my head around it 
I just I have so much respect yeah, for anyone who does it. I have so much respect for anyone who recognizes actually that their partner they're with isn't the source of support and actually that they're better yeah. off doing it by themselves. True, actually, yeah. You know, like there's so many angles to look at it, but it's it's yeah. like it is something that definitely tested the depths of my vulnerability. Yeah. And my my need to have him um but to have someone to have someone who is so who you can trust entirely to look after you mm-hmm. and who you kind of have to park it at the door you have to park that guilt at the door and just say look you know you have to be my person through this because I can't I can't do it alone I need somebody yeah. um and we kind of finished the story where he had come into hospital and you know you you told him you were shaking and you were like this is happening yeah how did he feel when he was like hours away from right this is on um i think he, well he was busy at home getting my skincare yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was dying for a, a good cleanse um which is hilarious because and i you know i always thought like i'm not going to care about that but i really I, that was one simple thing that I was like, I really just want my good skincare in with me to do a nice face cleanse and that will make me feel like myself and it will smell like my bathroom and it will, you know, it was just like a touch point, a sensorial mm. touch point that I was like, this is going to make me feel good and it did and that was great. He, I think, um, I can't speak from obviously, but I think from speaking to him afterwards, he was putting up a very good, very brave front for me so he was like as soon as he saw me I was crying and shaking and he was like okay look you're gonna be fine this is totally fine you're in the best place you know he said he was saying all the right things and he was calming me down um and then he went off home and got all the bits and pieces and came back in and during the very restrictive visiting hours as they were um and he again was a just cool calm collected you know, very, very much listening to all my concerns and talking me through each one. So we did, we do this thing where, and this originated for me in pregnancy, where I had, I'd, I'd make a list of just anxieties, worries, fears, things I'm scared of, um, irrational or otherwise, I'd make a list of them and he would sit with me one the first time we did it, we were sitting on the floor because I was just trying to ground myself, I think, and I was sitting on the floor because that was the only place I felt I could sit. And he got down on the floor with me and went through the list piece by piece by piece. And we discussed each of my worries. And he did he, he was almost like live cognitive behavioral therapy because he went through all the things and was like, Okay, this is probably a bit irrational because of X. And this one is not gonna happen because that has never happened in the history of the world so (laughs) you know and like we went through all the things and he made me feel better so we did that you know while I was in hospital over the phone or whatever when when he was in visiting me and the whole time he was super calm and just brave and excited and he just kept saying I'm so excited I'm so excited but then speaking to him afterwards I was like were you absolutely shitting yourself and he was like yeah like, <laughs> I was so nervous I was worried about you I was worried about the baby like I remember one time I went in for a scan and came out and I everything had been perfect so I came out and I was chatting to him about something else completely completely not related to the scan I came out of the hospital got in the car and I was like guess what this happened blah blah blah, blah. something about work or something and he was like can you please tell me how the scan went? Because he was in knots and to look at him or to talk to him, you'd never think he was nervous or you'd never think he wasn't this completely cool, brave person. Um, but he confessed then afterwards that he was just a bag of nerves and was just worried about me, worried about the baby. And I think as well for him, um, he didn't, and, and to be fair, also for me, we hadn't really researched preeclampsia. We weren't researching anything we didn't have to research, if that makes any sense. So we hadn't looked into preeclampsia, apart from very briefly. So I think he was really worried because he didn't know all it entailed. And he was just reading these things like you can have kidney failure and you can have seizures and you could potentially die. And he was reading these things going, 
oh my God, I can't believe this is what, what could potentially be happening to my wife. And he was just so, you know, um, overwhelmed, I suppose, with what could happen. Um, and we hadn't really looked into it. So he was really, really nervous about that. But um, again, for me, didn't let it show. Just totally supported me and kept me calm and didn't let me go off into a spiral of anxiety kind of kept me kept me kept me feeling safe basically and and supported and it wasn't an emergency situation like I wasn't rushed out when I wasn't you know so I know because I know people have real emergency sections so this was kind of a planned urgent one but Mm -hmm. not not necessarily emergency if you know what I mean so um but it was still yeah I mean it was it was still nerve-wracking but not quite as chaotic maybe as some other people have experienced with their emergency sections. And how did it feel when the section was happening? She was born. Oh, it was wild. I was so nervous. Um, I must've been white as a ghost sitting in the waiting room and having all the people coming in and telling you what's about to happen. And then I was nervous about would the spinal block be really painful? And it wasn't. Um, I was nervous about, would I go numb? And of course I did. And I was nervous about because people had said, you, you do actually feel the sensation of baby being taken out of you. Mm. And I did. And it felt really, really alien, but not painful and not, not even uncomfortable. There was no discomfort at all. And I did get the, uh, I got really, really violent shakes from whatever medication they give you during the section. So I got really, really violently shaky. And then I also got itchy all over my body for hours after the, the section. Um, but when she was, like, my consultant was hilarious. She was humming and singing a song while she was, you know, cutting into me. Um, she was just so chill and cool and laid back and this is this was her like run of the mill Friday morning sort of thing and it was the most life-changing terrifying prospect that I'd ever faced so it was weird but it was nice to hear her humming as she was you know cutting open my abdomen because it made me and she kept reassuring me she kept saying everything's going great Ashton don't worry you know and um and he was sitting beside me obviously behind the the sheet and we were just holding hands and waiting for it to happen. And I was just staring at him. I remember just not breaking the focus between my eyes and his eyes, because I was like, if I look away, I'll, I didn't, I just, I just didn't want to look away. And so I was staring at him and then the consultant said, okay, we're taking her out now. And then there was the kind of rattling around I could feel. And my, you know, my body was kind of shaking side to side. And then the consultant said, okay, we're going to hold her up now if you're ready. And I was like, oh my God. So that for the first time, then we didn't look at each other. We looked up and she was put over the sheet, like, like Simba. Um, in <laughs> and oh, like she was perfect. And I remember thinking, I remember thinking, oh my God, I'm going to be on the news. This is the best looking baby there's ever been. You're definitely going to want to interview me about this. Like, and I remember thinking, I turned to him and I said, she's perfect. And he was like, she is perfect. And she, you know, I anticipated that she would look all icky and covered in stuff and blood and goo and whatever. And she didn't. She just looked really like a baby. And I was like, like she'd gone through a little tiny car wash on the way to being held up. And I was like, my consultant actually said, she was like, your waters were so clear. I was like, fantastic news. Because <laughs> like, and that was such a, it sounds so silly, but like, that was such a little win for me that my waters were really clear because I was like, I had such a disaster and, but I managed to keep those waters clear and therefore the baby looked real, you know, sparkly and like she'd been fresh washed. So, and yeah, she came out and she was just from the minute she was born, like perfect. And for, and you know, like I said, I had such trouble feeling a connection between Mm -hmm. my head and my bump. I never, I never felt any warmth towards it. I never, I was never like, you know, lying there looking at it, talking to it, thinking, oh, like, you know, I, I never really, I'd, I'd feel the kicks, but it was very just physiological. There was no, I didn't feel any emotional connection to it at all. And like my husband would, 
chat to her like he'd, he'd put his hand on the bump and he'd say hello baby like and you know and I just I never did that because I didn't feel I couldn't put two and two together and and you know realize there was a baby in there and um, and therefore I was really nervous that when the baby came out I would struggle to mm. bond with her or I wouldn't have that rush of love that mothers talk about and a couple of my friends who have babies or have children said to me you know oh there's nothing like that feeling like you'll you'll love your baby so overwhelmingly like immediately that it'll just you know blow your mind and I was thinking I was I was preparing myself to not feel that actually I was prepared to not have that bond straight away and I had kind of come to terms with that I might not and I had reassured myself that it can take time you know maybe I might love her in a week maybe I might love her in a month maybe I might not love her for three months maybe it'll take a bit of bonding time to start feeling that maternal instinct and start feeling that real overwhelming love um but quite literally from the minute I saw her I was just like my mind was blown with the amount of unconditional love I had for her I would just crawl over anyone if they were on fire to get to her like I just cannot describe it and that was such a relief that was the first time I was like okay something that I thought might happen didn't happen like I thought that I might not bond with her and in fact I have bonded with her and I straight away was like just deeply in love with her and I just yeah it's gotten even stronger since every day I'm just I cannot believe how much I love her I can't get my head around it like um and that is such a relief especially for someone who thought they may not love their baby um it's such a relief to have had that um but again I had prepared myself for the fact that that might not have been the case you need to work out when she's going to be 94 days old oh my god I need to go back to the garage man and tell him that I have a 94 day old baby that's yeah that's true I should um I feel like I almost feel like I should bring her in to visit him mm. <laughs> I know that sounds so silly he's a man who works in a local garage local. Um, I mean he's the natural godfather obviously oh, oh absolutely yeah my <laughs> husband's brother is redundant <laughs> yeah but um yeah I should I really should bring her in and I, I feel as well like I know what he means now. I, I, he didn't even, he just was like, I love her so much. And I completely get what he, what he means. Like I have that exact same thing where I would tell a stranger in the garage how much I love my child. So yeah, it's been that, that has been a massive relief that I just adore her unconditionally. And I tell her 250 times a day that I love her. And I'm sure they will be her first words because they'd have to be at this point <laughs> I can think of no better way to end it because it like it's an honest story of how pregnancy isn't how you expect it mm -hmm. and it's an honest story when the the physical symptoms of pregnancy can be so demanding on you and then you add in a pandemic and you add in how crippling it can feel to not feel like you anymore and kind of grieving the the old well able-bodied independent you that you were before I remember uh, actually saying to my husband this is so random but I remember saying to him sitting him down one day and I was crying and he was like what what are you why are you crying tell me we'll talk about it and I was just crying inexplicably but he I, I said to him can you please tell me a story about how I used to be before I got pregnant and he he was like he thought it was weird I could tell but he was trying to not let on that he thought it was weird and he was like, yeah, so you used to go to dinner in restaurants and you'd, you'd get your makeup on and then you'd curl your hair and then you'd put in all your sprays and you'd go out, you know, with sprays because that's what husbands think you, <laughs> beauty, you know. And he was like, and then you'd like get in the car and you could drive anywhere you wanted and for how long you wanted and it wouldn't hurt. And you could get in and out of the car really easily and you could train really hard and you could lift heavier weights and you could blah blah and he was telling me all this stuff and I was sitting there and it was like listening to a fairy tale it was like listening to it was just so nice to hear what I used to be and I felt so far away from that during pregnancy and since having her like it hasn't been 
like obviously I adore but it hasn't been easy since having her we've had you know I'm, I'm sleep deprived I'm I can't remember a lot of words I used to be able to remember I it's tricky in this game oh my god which is yeah it's, it's <laughs> a massive issue professionally <laughs> um and I you know I had a really really significant like baby blues period from the not from day three like I anticipated but from the first from the night I had her until about she was about two weeks old I consistently cried so it hasn't been easy since then but genuinely because of the pregnancy that I had I think that the postpartum period has been look still a massive challenge but I feel like I've been able to handle it because I handled those nine months and because in place of you know what I thought was going to be struggle struggle to attach to my baby and what I thought would be just severe sleep deprivation and severe anxiety and worry and whatever because it actually has not been that bad I mean look it's still tough but it hasn't been as bad as I thought it would be and also I'm no longer occupied by this thing that's making me so so sick all the time and mm. um, I feel like I can handle this now. And I also am delighted to report that my husband can now partake in the raising of the child, whereas before it was all on me. Um, and now it's we're back to 50-50 like we always were. Thank you so much for sharing such honesty because I think that it's there there's a certain level of of guilt in, in being able to say that you didn't enjoy the process that brought you such magic. Yeah at the end and as though saying you didn't love pregnancy you didn't love the baby and and that's not what it's about pregnancy is it's it's a physical condition that's happening you know there's 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 a baby being grown inside you it's enormous and it's okay to say that the symptoms associated with it aren't aren't nice you know you didn't experience what you thought and for a lot of women it isn't just a bit of nausea in the morning it is intense and for some women, it is then the restricted diet with gestational diabetes and that, you know, very alarming illness that can happen um, when your blood pressure is out of control. So it's, it's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot. And well done for, for coping through it in the year that was, because that, honestly, you, I hope you know how hard it must have been and how you honestly have handled it so well. The fact that you've kept yourself sane and well. Well, I don't, sane is probably a stretch. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> sane is probably not the way I describe myself at the minute. And you know, I, I'm doing that typical Irish thing of saying there's people who had it much harder and there's people who had preeclampsia from 20 weeks and, you know, had really, really serious, you know, ramifications as a result of preeclampsia and I feel in a way I feel with especially with the preeclampsia I was kind of lucky that I got it that laid on that she was healthy she was a good size and I, I was lucky enough to be able to deliver her safely um but yeah I I do I am doing that typical thing of uh no but sure look I I didn't have it as hard as you know other people have had it so I I still in spite of it all I'm kind of embarrassed by being like it was so tough because I feel like I'm having a bit of a pity party <laughs> but um that's how that's how it was for me and I like that just the, the more honest I can be about it the hopefully the more people who are having a, a tough pregnancy will be like okay that's it's, it's acceptable I'm allowed to have a tough pregnancy I'm allowed not to enjoy this and the love will come and it will yeah whether you think it won't it will it definitely will i'll let you get back to her yeah i better she's gonna be starved <laughs> thank you so much i really appreciate it thank you thank you so much for listening and to water wipes the number one wipe against nappy rash for their support proven to be purer than cotton wool and water water wipes are made with just two ingredients and are 100 percent biodegradable plastic free and compostable wipe and the winners of three National Parenting Product Awards 2020, including Best Baby Wipes. So you can do what's best for your baby's skin and help protect the planet.
If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe, rate or leave a review. Share this episode across social and get in touch with every mum and this week's guest at Ashling M. Keenan on Instagram. Talk to you again next week.